0: All right. Hello, listeners. This is Mr. Spears here today with Mr. Duggan, our head of science. Hello. And uh, Andy Jinn, the winner of our most recent writing competition. Uh, hi. And today we are celebrating Andy's writing as he was winner of the writing competition, The Life of a Red Blood Cell, uh, which was a challenge co-hosted by both the English department and the science department. So we're really glad to have the opportunity today to interview Andy Jin and for you to hear more from the writer as well as the piece itself. So without further ado, Andy, me and Mr. Duggan have uh, some questions for you. So Andy, can you tell us, uh, how did you feel the moment your name was called on stage to
1: collect your award? So I would say I'm rather scared and excited. Like I did not think that, uh, that I will probably uh, win the award because I believe that there's my tag is simply not that informative.
0: I have to admit, I thought from the English and science department, we really appreciated your work. From an English perspective, I thought your work was really creative and had a full story arc. And I thought it was really interesting how you took on the persona of a red blood cell. I trust that scientifically accurate, um, but I'm not sure I would leave that to Mr. Duggan a little bit more to judge. Yeah, of course I... I know. blood cells don't talk but
2: (laughs) yeah it's very clear like andy knows his science particularly to do with the circulatory system and the blood and there's a few kind of little extra bits and things he's put in there of like flourishes that link it more i guess to the english and make it more story-based but the science is correct from everything he's gone through Oh, that's fantastic.
0: I quite liked how you personified the the red blood cell and almost as if we were going on a trip along with it. It was like an invitation. I'm wondering what, you know, you had this challenge of writing both a scientific and creative piece at the same time and connecting the two. How did you find that challenge? How did you navigate having to tell a story, but also include the scientific information?
1: So, uh, because due to the, uh, lens limit of text, so I'm thinking of a monologue of a character. And because it is a journey of rebel cells so I, uh, automatically choose the, uh, rebel self, a uh, plain rebel cell for the, the main character of the story. And, uh, so because it fits the criteria quite well, like, uh, you can talk a lot uh, in terms of science, uh, by from the uh, point of view of a rebel cell. So
2: how did you come up with your opening line? I'm red blood cell ten million two hundred
1: thirty eight thousand two hundred nineteen. So I just randomly type a number into uh, the the, into the text, and so I do have to admit that I did not look up the like the approximate number of red blood cells in a human body, but. Like, there are lots of them, so I just made one up. Uh, okay. But weirdly enough, like, it's
2: kind of within the range of what oh, wow. we would expect. So I was like, that was one of the first things that drew me into the story is like, I'm just generic red blood cell 10,289,219. I thought it was quite a good opening. Um, going further then, as you kind of talk about the bits that you go through, where did you get your knowledge and kind of, um, how have you developed your knowledge of the circulatory system?
1: So we have a full topic on cir- human or at least circulatory system in human in, in our science classes. And uh, the teacher did a great job in in, form, in making sure that we have enough knowledge to do the extent question. And also there's also like further extension tasks for us to have a further understanding of the topic.
2: So have you done some extra reading around the subject as well? Because it feels like some of the details you've dropped in go a little bit beyond what we would normally teach.
1: Yeah, so I look it up because it's a, because like the topic of the writing competition is about the live of style. So, um, I started to look up like where are rebel produced. So, uh, I think that's a bit that we do not learn any science mm-hmm. classes.
2: And then obviously the science depth of it when you're talking about the pathway through the aorta, out into the body and then background and through the chambers of the heart. It's very clear you have a very deep understanding of this. How do you think that your scientific knowledge translates as it is in this to English?
1: So I think it is for such writing tasks that involves both creativity and as well as the more technical information. Uh, so I think what I did do a great, good job is like kind of personifies everything to, so, uh, enlarge cells into a full scale human that can have their own thoughts. So, and which says the organs or tissue are enlarged into the, the world around the human. So by describing the details of like where, how the roads wind or which is the blood spring in this story, I can put in many scientific details.
2: That's really cool. And the other thing I like as well, and I don't know about you, Mr. Spears, is the way he kind of emotionalizes and puts a personality onto the red blood cell and how it might feel, which is a really interesting concept to think about what is this thing inside my body feeling? Yeah, it
0: kind of reminded me of before I've seen this Disney movie, Osmosis Jones, which is kind of similar. There are different uh I might be speaking wrong, but there are different types of cells that have personalities. Um, but I don't think the movie is quite as scientifically accurate, perhaps as, as this text, but it's what you've done is not something that's quite common. It's almost like a new kind of medium or genre. So I think it's really brilliant what you've done. Um, it makes me think that. I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, the most scientific minded person, but I feel like I could learn more about, you know, the red blood cells and circulatory system by reading your text than I would perhaps a science textbook that wouldn't be as gripping and engaging with me by reading your text. I can learn a lot and kind of get some joy from it as well. But in a moment, I'll, I'll invite you to read for our listeners and uh, they too might learn some really great knowledge through your creative piece while also being
2: entertained and that's really special. So maybe there's a new career in there for you, Andy. Simplifying science text to make it more available and more acceptable to the majority, mm. the likes of Mr. Spears. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, would you like to go ahead and read your piece for us today?
1: Uh, yes. Hi there, I'm cells and 10,238,219 of this body. Such a boring name for ourselves, I know, but we all need to learn to cope with things that we don't like in our lives. And you are, well, you don't really have to answer if you don't want to. That doesn't really matter as you'll probably forget my boring name and I will do the same with yours very soon. You asked why we wear crimson. Yeah, crimson. That's what anyone will say about me and my fellow rebel cells. Since our birth in bone marrow, crimson fill our life. Crimson jackets, crimson cards to carry oxygen around, crimson pans. This list never ends and it's always filled with crimson. And all this boring color starts after a week of growing when we remove our nucleuses and mitochondria for more hemoglobin that color us crimson and grant us better oxygen carrying ability, which muscle cells claim that this lack of nucleus makes us more stupid than others. But it is simply because they are just jealous of us being so cool and our ability to carry oxygen. Our work is quite boring, pretty much always the same every day, traveling around the body for a few times to deliver oxygen for the cells every day during our 120-day long life. What? You say, how do we get around the body? Well, the heart, which is made of these African muscle cells that always gave us their stupid without us, nothing moves, look to us, to pump the blood around the body, carrying us around. We then drop the oxygen that comes from lungs, wherever these gases are needed, and, and that's it. Wait, where are my manners? Surely you wish to know our journey of getting pumped around the body, folding with other cells? Mm, okay, then. As we go around the body in cycle. There aren't much about where we start or end. So for sake of simplicity, let's say I started at vena cava at the very end of the cycle around the body. Like all sorts of veins around the body, vena cava is filled with deoxidized blood cells, but far more crowded than any of veins, even though it is wide of them all. The space will suddenly expand all around us as we enter the atrium. The pink walls of the veins broaden and expand to hold us between each pump. Even with a relatively wider space, it only gets worse after entering the right atrium. Every red blood cell is bumping right into each other, and occasionally a white blood cell. So not those scary T-cells unless there is some infection going on in the body. We then get pumped through the tricuspid valve into the right ventricle, and finally through the pulmonary valve into the lungs, via the pulmonary artery and get oxidized in the sphere-shaped alveoli. After getting oxidized, the plasma or the main component of the blood will carry us back into the heart through the pulmonary veins where it gets crowded again after some real solitude at the capillaries. Passing through the left atrium and ventricle, such crowded place, and through the aortic valve will enter the aorta and get pumped to the rest of the body. If I'm lucky, I will be assigned cells somewhere not so far from an artery so I can drop oxygen there and do not need to get to a tissue where some almost forgotten capillaries to reach a targeted cell. It is such a dreadful experience to travel through these cramped tunnel-like capillaries. We then complete a cycle around the body through more capillaries and veins. Sometimes we pick up glucose from the blood vessels in intestines and deliver them to cells that is not generating energy by detecting their ATP level. If we are running low on energy ourselves, then we will just pick up some glucose floating in the blood vessel and convert them to ATP via anaerobic respiration as we lost our mitochondria when growing up, which is just another reason that the muscle cells to claim us being not being as intelligent as other cells, which is pretty much a lie after all. And that's it. Hope you will have a good idea of how our lives are like.
0: All right, fantastic. Thank you for your reading, Andy Jen. I really love how you capture the self-deprecating tone of the red blood cell and have the direct address um throughout. Um, even hearing it, I enjoy the story even more than um, simply reading it. All right. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed uh our interview and reading today. You too can be featured on Dukebox if you submit to our writing competitions. This month's competition revolves around writing descriptively about the springtime. And our next month and last competition of the year is a letter to your English teacher um, proposing curriculum changes here at Whaley. So we really look forward to hearing your thoughts and ideas. And in the meantime, happy reading, happy writing, and have a good day.